Do you work in employment services? The Wayfinders is a podcast where we help you help people. Hosted by Bounce Australia founder, Maria Smith. Each month, we chat with people who have had their own wayfinding experience and get their valuable employment insights, advice, and tips. Welcome to the Wayfinders podcast. Potential lives here. Well, hello and welcome, Wayfinders, to today's podcast. And today I'm pretty excited to have John Mendoza here uh, to actually share some insights and have a conversation uh, around the idea of resilience and what does it really mean and maybe some of the research and evidence and the things that what can I do right now. So you're probably wondering who John is. And John's actually uh, currently the director of uh, Connecticut and uh He's had a pretty incredible career. In fact, um, I've known John for quite some time now and he's been connected. Um, he did some work for us around the Bounce program and, and really did an audit in context to how that program, um, you know, has a positive impact um, to really take a look and see, you know, were we on the right track but way back in the beginning. In fact, I think it was 2008 uh, when the program was being delivered. So some interesting things about John. Um, he was the inaugural chair of the Australian government's National Advisory Council on Mental Health, uh, CEO of the Mental Health Council of Australia and CEO of a Commonwealth Statutory Authority and the Australian Sports Drug Agency. Uh, right now, and John's actually authored and co-authored a lot of reports and um, has an incredible amount of knowledge around mental health um, suicide prevention. Um, but right now he's actually going to be starting a role as the executive director uh, for mental health services for Central Adelaide uh, in the local health network. And that's going to be occurring next month, which John, um, welcome to our podcast today. You've got um, a lot happening it's in the space of COVID. And this this podcast is going to go down in history as a, a COVID podcast, which means there may be a dog barking or there may be um, kids knocking at the door. Who knows what's going to happen, but here we are. How are you, John? Oh, I'm great, Maria. Um, it's great to uh, to connect up in this uh, really unprecedented time that we're all experiencing at the moment. And um, if there's ever a time that we need to be, uh, you know, sort of religiously applying our resilience personal strategies and those for those around us, it's now. <laughs> It, it is. And it's one of those things where I think that we always have these ideas around what resilience is and, you know, having a plan or a strategy and, you know, keeping the muscle and going and staying positive And what am I grateful for and focus on the good things and, and all of that. Like, it, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of things for people to learn about. They can Google it. But I think you've said something there that right now it's a must. It's suddenly uh, in our lives we can just keep going and, and sometimes forget about how to be resilient or re resilient or how to practice that. But now more than ever, it's a must. We have to do it. Absolutely. It goes from, in, in a sense, a theory to uh, we have to make this daily practice. And each of us, um, you know, enter, if you like, this uh, pandemic and the impact of the pandemic in every aspect of our lives with what a friend of mine describes as our dilly bag um, of resilience tools and um, you know some of those uh, tools are a bit rusty we haven't used them for a while 
they need a bit of RP7. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, some of them we've never used, but they're in the dilly bag because, oh, someone suggested that was a good idea. Uh, well, now we have to become absolutely ferocious <laughs> in, our, in our discipline in using those tools, but also as we go through this pandemic, uh, we have to add to that, that dilly bag. Uh, we have to be really attentive to uh, sources, good sources of information about how we can strengthen our own resilience and the resilience of those that we interact with, uh, obviously in our families, in this lockdown situation, helping every one of those members through this difficult period, but also uh, our extended families, our neighbourhood uh, and our workplaces where we're often working remotely uh, and connecting uh, with, with colleagues through these mediums. So uh, we go in with what we've got, but doesn't mean that we only stick with what's in that dilly bag, Maria. Uh, as I say, we have to be the bowbirds in terms of finding more tools that we can add to our daily repertoire to strengthen our resilience. Because none of us, including the best virologists in the world, Ian Fraser and others, um, we don't know where this pandemic will lead. We don't know when it will end. We don't know how long uh, and deep the economic consequences will be. But we know this, that throughout human history, cohorts of humans, populations of humans have endured exactly what we're facing now and they've come through. So we have to draw strength from the ancients, from the more recent epidemics that have occurred and know that societies that pull together through this get through. Societies that break down, uh, don't have the necessary leadership capability, they succumb to the pandemic. And this is a feature of human history. I am um, like that's that was the podcast right there John that was pretty <laughs> awesome what you've just said I'm like okay we're good that was amazing um and you you are so spot on with how what we will get through this and we we have had that in our history we know that that um there is a way forward but there's something I think where a lot of the conversations I'm having with people around this idea of and you've just sort of hit on it around the what is happening next, which creates this higher level of uncertainty, which creates a higher level of anxiety to say some people want to know what's next. Some people want to know how long. Tell me specifically when we finish this. But they're not going to have that and um, not yet. And so I wonder what are some of the things that they can draw on within themselves or around them like specific things that would allow people to actually manage that level of uncertainty to manage their anxiety? Yeah. Um, look, it's a, a really good question. Um, another friend, a South Australian friend, um, he's done a lot of work with uh, people in long-term immigration detention and uh, he uses the expression that, you know, if you want to create mental illness, then you dose people up on uncertainty. Um, wow. And, and that's such a good way of thinking about it. Okay, we yeah. think about a dose of something to mitigate uh, the symptoms of a mental health or uh, a, a crisis. But, uh, you know, this is the opposite. If we want to cause mental illness and distress, we dose people up on uncertainty. 
and uh, and and furthermore, <laughs> we we restrict their ability to interact. Uh, humans are social beings, and in order to check out some of the thoughts that we might be having, if we don't have the opportunity to have conversation uh, and physically connect with others, then those thoughts can become neurotic. They they become warpy thoughts, and when they play repeatedly in our minds, that's when we start to become pa uh, paranoid, delusional. We run what I call B grade and Alfred Hitchcock movies in our mind. Mm -hmm. You know, the B grade movies are where we see uh, the lead actor being incompetent. You know, not able to do the job, um, and we see them as a failure. Well, that's us. That's the that's us mm -hmm. in the B grade movie. Whereas the Alfred Hitchcock is when we're, we've got the paranoia running through our minds as to what might happen. And in the current circumstance, we have most of us have no idea where this is going to lead. We don't know what's going to happen with um, our investments. We don't know what's going to happen with employment in the future, how this might play out. This is a pivot point in human history, no question. Just as 1916 is often regarded by historians as one of the crucial pivot points of the 20th century. Uh, the atom bomb in August uh, 1945, another pivot point. I think this is a bigger pivot point than either of those um, and where it leads to our society, our institutions, our government uh, and the role of community. I don't know, but it, it will be different when we emerge from this uh, period. So what does that mean then for us as individuals coping with this uncertainty, coping with the possibility that we could lose very large amounts of our our lifetime of work and, and accumulation of assets and so on. Uh, a friend of mine in New York has lost five colleagues to the disease. Um, mm. That's phenomenal to lose yeah. that many close friends and not be able to grieve with those mm. other friends at their funerals, to see that just silently taken away from you. Uh, this, is, this is an experience none of us have had. And, and I certainly encourage people to have a daily diary about how you're feeling, how you're reacting, how others around you are reacting, what you're seeing in terms of human behavior. So we've seen some of the, uh, the worst features are often featured in our me media, but there's some beautiful features as well of humanity showing itself in its best in this, in this uh, challenging time. And I think we need yeah. to um, use those as sources of inspiration, uh, of motivation, of modeling, that we can uh, replicate. So, um, you know, I, I, I am certainly one at the moment that's got my radar highly tuned to the sources of stoicism, of leadership and where these are and what they involve and how do we take that and apply that in our own, uh, our own context and, and way. So um, this is a time for accumulating our capacity. We can either, you know, as humans, when we face crises of any scale, we often uh, unconsciously make choices about whether we use this as a growth opportunity or we succumb to negativity, to self-doubt, to not believing that we're going to get through this um, and uh, really, you know, suffer a setback in terms of our capacity. So we've got a choice that we can make, and that choice does involve courage. It does involve deliberation as to what we're going to do and how we face this. And sure enough, even if we say we're going to take the choice of growth,
We're going to try and grow our capacity to handle conflict, crisis, difficulty. We will have dark days, no question. We will have days when our mood is really low, but we've got to lift ourselves out of that on a daily basis. And as I said, we've got to be really ferocious in applying what is the suite of tools and techniques that we use to keep ourselves with a, with a can-do, um, must-do attitude um, and tune into those people that give us that, uh, that sense of inspiration as well. Mm, I think that's a really a, a key point there that, you know, a lot of our listeners certainly are in an industry that have, um, they're continuing to engage with their clients and, you know, <clears throat> Uh, in some of the coaching calls I've had and conversations, I've talked about reframing from being the job coach to being the well-being Absolutely. coach, mm -hmm. and you know, check in with your clients and make sure they're good. You know, and I even with our uh, clients that we work with, our employers, we've talked about that as well with their staff. Is you know, how do we actually do that check in, especially for those working remotely, because suddenly their value system of they love to connect and be, you know, um, have those incidental conversations in the office place and, and you know, happen upon a conversation, eavesdrop in to go, oh, that actually will help me on my piece of work I've got to do. And all of that goes missing. And so suddenly you have to find I'm working remotely. How do I have those eavesdropping or incidental conversations that help me in my piece of work or help me um, engage and connect? And, and I am really curious about how people can begin to develop that. So even my own team, we video conference every morning and all come together yeah. and check in. And then we end the day with that as well. Um, and, it, and although our, our productivity has been incredibly high because everything is quite transactional in this context, this for working remotely, it's like ping, 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 you're, you're working but the missing is the transformational conversations that, you know, I'm, I'm curious about what is the impact for people that are so highly um, desire connection, uh, that physical, kinesthetic, tactile connection, you know, what's the impact for them and what could that do to us as human beings? Well, for those of us that really are, um, you know, very strong on the extrovert scale, um, then it's even more challenging. But the message is the same for those folk as it is for all of us, and that is we've got to invest and and make sure we don't just make this, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. No, we actually program it and, and routinely do it. We have a ritual around we call at least one friend a day and talk to them, FaceTime mm. with them, um, Skype, whatever uh, technology we've got at our hands, whatever's the best technology in terms of seeing and, and uh, feeling the warmth of their expression, of their love and, and respect for us uh, using those uh, tools. Uh, we've got to do that with a friend. We've got to make sure that what you you're just illustrated, Maria, that in your work group, whether it's a, a team, whether it's a, a, you know, a group of executives, there is a daily check-in and it begins with how we all just a palm off sort of response is permitted. Mm. Um, one little tool that I would advocate that uh, your, um, you know, those wellbeing coaches can use with their clients who will be doing it really tough in many, many cases uh, is 
get them to have a little mood thermometer that they ask their clients to use every day. And the mood thermometer just has a few quick questions, five point scale. You don't need an app, but there are apps like this out there. And you ask them, mm. how's your level of energy today? How's your level of anxiety? Mm. Um, and on the one to five, low to five being really high. How's your sleep last night? How would you rate your sleep? How would you rate your um, uh, your uh, general mood, you know, from positive and optimistic to negative and feeling low? Um, those sort of questions can open up the conversation. So you've got something to talk about immediately that's a bit more, a bit easier. It's a softer entry into talking about one's emotion, one's level of um, anxiety that is lurking there in, in our minds. And, and, you know, I know myself, there are a couple of days where I've found my meditation really difficult to get into because my mind is racing with thoughts of what I should be doing, anxiety about what I'm not doing, what's coming up, what I've done to, to with a group of people that wasn't as good as I thought. You know, instead of focusing on that moment, that being present and controlling those thoughts for a little while each day is what, what is a daily habit for me, absolutely daily habit. And at the moment, I am religious about it. So this morning already, you know, I've done my exercise. I've got up and I've made sure I've absorbed direct sunlight in the first 30 minutes of the day. I've gone and uh, had a swim. I've gone and meditated. So I've done those must-dos, that self-care. These are not things that I should be putting off. doesn't matter how, how early my first mm. Zoom or Skype meeting is. No, this is what I've got to do in order to look after myself. And, and my days, like everybody's days at the moment, are highly unpredictable. They're highly transactional, as you said. Mm. Um, and tonight, you know, I end with a, uh, an, an international, I'm hosting an international um, uh, Zoom meeting uh, that'll end at 7pm my time. Um, and I have to be sharp for that. So I've got to make sure I manage my energy and my, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, feeling of, of managing things well during the day. Otherwise, I'm not going to be up for that. So mm. everybody has to be much more, I use the word deliberative, you know, we have to make deliberate choices. These are the things we can control. We can't control whether there's a vaccine. We can't control whether the, mm. the, the government decides to open up certain shops and uh, businesses. These are things beyond our control. What is in our control is how we are personally responding to the crisis and how we are supporting those that are closest to us and those that are in our near vicinity, those that we interact with, our neighbours, our 82-year-old neighbour over the road, um, our Brazilian, um, you know, they're uh, uh, not refugees, they're visa holders next door, you know, that have just moved in. Um, how, how we support all of those folk is really, really important at the moment as to how we get through this as a community. Mm. It's, um, I'm just reflecting on that. The uh, Matthew Lieberman's book, yeah. um, Connection, is a, definitely a must read, but to also understand how important it is yeah. for the brain to connect and, um, and that we can find other yes. ways to connect. Uh, and, you know, it isn't, it isn't, um, 
It isn't just about that external connection, though. It is the internal connection, my inner world, and um, and having uh, that deliberate or the rituals that mm. connect us within. And um, and I think it's it is something I know. Uh, you know, normally I'm on a plane every week traveling, and I haven't actually had this much um, time at home. And so what's been great is that I've been able to have total routine, and I need that because in you know managing everything the uncertainty and and other people and family you know it's it's a really important piece to it and and I do encourage anyone listening now it's it's not just a yeah I'd like to just make it a must and uh, make it a must to get up and move and get get outside and take some big big breaths and you know learn meditation there's so many great apps um, and there's a really great app that we might add on to here um, called Mood Meter, which yeah. is a fantastic app for just checking yeah. in with ourselves as well. So, John, the one thing I did want to ask you was um, where where I look at how things unfolded um, with this situation, uh, there was this sort of turning point where for Australia, um, you know, things were occurring over the the. the uh, like in Italy, you know, suddenly in Spain, we had all these numbers and things were becoming real for some people. But what I found really interesting is a lot of my conversations in the beginning was um, there wasn't a reality to what was occurring for us. Um, and just earlier when you mentioned the colleague who's who had lost five um, people, that they work with close friends, cl- close work friends, um, there's something real about that statement. And, and we are lucky in so many ways and a lot of people we haven't been touched by this we're not impacted by it and so the attitude you know my concern is this the reality of it's a different world and my concern around when we start changing the the rules then suddenly we change the behavior around it there still is going to be a virus there still is um, going to be a deadly virus and it things don't I go back out and I can start to, you know, interact in the world again, there's still a high risk, isn't uh, there? Yes. Look, I'm not a, a virologist, but uh, I've worked in public health for a long time. And um, we, we've got to remember this, that it's 40 years since HIV as a virus appeared. We still don't have a vaccine. We have antiviral drugs that mean that um, people who acquire HIV have um, a pretty good chance of surviving that disease for many years. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was part of the National HIV uh, Strategy back in the 80s. And I remember so many people in those early days pinning everything on a vaccine. But our only defence was the public health strategies, we, which we in Australia deployed better than anyone else in the world at that time. Now, we may have to continue some of those public health strategies that we've got in place at the moment for some period, maybe indefinitely, uh, there have been pandemics that have lasted in history for well over decades. Um, now, we we are uh, a sophisticated society in a sense that we've got access to great science and knowledge that the ancients didn't have or people even a century ago with the Spanish flu. But um, uh, we're also facing the reality that we're a globally interconnected community, much more than we ever were. And so uh, viruses like COVID... Uh, spread uh, incredibly, uh, you know, rapidly and and quickly. And we, you know, I've had conversations with colleagues in Spain, in Madrid, where they went from a few hundred cases in that great city 
to 30,000 within 14 days and 3,000 deaths a couple of weeks mm. later. So if yeah. Australians think that, oh, we're, this is no big deal, um, they're wrong. Uh, they're wrong on a number of dimensions. There are 30 variants of this disease at, at least known already. And uh, the Ruby Princess was one variant different to many of who, uh, for most Australians, what they contracted. So um, it's been far more deadly. So, and, and we can see this, this pandemic uh, and the way the virus is impacting on communities around the world very differently. We can see Singapore went from having it totally under control to now where they have got rocketed past 10,000 infections and they have been using extremely effective public health strategy all that time. So we cannot sort of assume that life will go back to what was pre-COVID. I don't think it will, frankly. Um, I think there'll be significant changes in our economy, in our social organisation, in our institutions, the role of government. Uh, all of these things may change uh, and we have to to be prepared for that individually. There's a great book which I'd recommend to everyone read. There are a couple of great books. One is go back and read, and many of the, the great quotes from it are available online. Uh, Martin Luther's great book from We Can Choose Chaos or Community. Um, where, it's called Where Do We Go From Here? And it's Chaos or Community. And he sets out the choice that each of us have when we face either chaos or community. And in a sense, at the moment, community is winning out in Australia. In some other countries around the world, the US in particular right now, chaos is actually winning out. And we can see mm. the dreadful impact that's mm. having. I was only interviewing a colleague in Colorado yesterday, and she's an expert in mental health and suicide prevention. And she is very fearful of where her country is heading uh, at the moment. We're not in that case and community is winning out. The second book I'd really recommend people follow up on the readings of uh, uh, this, uh, the writings of this great man, uh, Aaron Antonovsky. Antonovsky did his work studying the survivors of the Holocaust. And he found that those people who were able to rebuild their lives after surviving that, or, you know, unimaginable ordeal, um, were those that saw Hitler and his regime as a necessary evil, that it was a thing, a context that they experienced for the betterment of all humans. They saw that the uh, mm. promulgation of human rights, the establishment of the uh, United Nations, um, those things and the, and the establishment of the State of Israel were all consequences that they had to endure. They were caught up in the maelstrom of that, uh, that regime uh, for a purpose. There was a bigger, bigger picture that they understood. Those that suffered, that self-harmed, that suicided, that fell into alcoholism, that could not maintain relationships, they saw themselves as victims, as, uh, as part of the problem, a part of the reason why uh, Hitler came along. So... You know, this, this notion of a, a sense of coherence, this makes sense to me. I can understand why there's a pandemic uh, happening now. I am not unique in human experience. Uh, I, I am experiencing something that many generations of humans have experienced and got through. 
if we take that sort of approach, uh, I think we're far better to come through this stronger as an individual and stronger as a community. So this is probably our greatest test as a nation since 1942. Uh, and uh, mm. uh, I, I think it will be uh, incumbent on our leaders to show the way forward. And, and I've got to say that across the political spectrum, Australian leaders, uh, after a bit of a spluttery start, are uh, demonstrating the sort of leadership that the nation needs. And, and across the ditch, uh, Jacinda Ardern is a beacon of leadership, uh, you know, excellence uh, for the world. And, um, and I think we can take heart from the capability of our leaders uh, at the moment. And so, you know, that, that is in itself um, a source of strength. The other source of strength uh, really important for us as individuals and us as a community, Maria, is that we're clear about our values. What is it that really matters to me? Our, our values act as our sheet anchor. As we go through these stormy waters, yes, we will get buffeted around, but our sheet anchor will stabilise us, will help us get through this as an individual, as a family, as families and as community. Um, and so, you know, focus on those things. And I was just talking with a colleague this morning about his organisation and their capacity to rise up. He said he's seen the best of his organisation in this period. And it's because as a leader, he has embedded the values. He's lived the values and the, and the workforce understand those implicitly. So he doesn't need to give directives about what has to happen. The workforce understands it and is rising to the challenge. So it's values-based leadership that we need right now. Uh, mm -hmm. and, it's a, in, in, and it's our values, our core values as a, as a human that we need to return to, to get through this and use those daily practices of resilience that are well, well documented and articulated. Find the set of the suite of strategies that work for you and be, as I say, ferocious in deliberately applying those daily and, and you'll be fine. Mm. John, that's, um, that's amazing and absolutely spot on. I really, really thank you and appreciate your time with this. It's certainly, um, it's just completely, I'm a bit tranced out actually by how profound your, you've articulated something that I hope our listeners, they probably are getting for sure, but there is something to realise that there is something bigger ahead of this. And it's, it isn't just this present moment of preparation, but the next steps and the next steps. And for anyone in that industry of, of helping others, if you are in that industry of caring for others, that we must care for ourselves and then we care for the, those that are close to us as well. And I think that, that again, it, it is that, that um, absolute deliberate focus and approach and it's a must as well to, to put into practice. Um, and just finally... The, John, just in terms of um, you know our way forward, how do we how do we actually go about looking at the, our context of this change? What if I'm really attached to things? What if I'm attached to my stuff? What if I'm attached to this thing being this way? And um, you know, how do I manage that as a person going into this next stage? And and I mean this in context to people being able to actually let go of what was to then what will be in a great way. We will come back. And I think you're right in, in history, things flourish um, after there's been challenge and crisis. 
So what what do, what do you suggest for people? How do they well, let go? I think go? the thing about having expectations um, of ourselves and of others and what they're going to be doing in the future is something we've got to be mindful of. If that's playing in our mind uh, or that we think that way, then we're probably going to have to re- address that. Um, we, we have to really uh, be prepared for what unfolds. There will be many things that are out of our control, as I say, um, and that may include our own uh, financial position and so forth. Um, we have to be prepared to adapt and, and you know, take on different roles. Many people are already doing that in terms of their extended family, like my son's business is completely shut. He, he cannot operate. He, he runs a commercial adventure business. Uh, he's invested heavily in that. Um, he has hundreds of thousands of dollars tied up in equipment. It lies idle. And he's had to um, go on to the job uh, keeper program. He hasn't got any money as yet. Um, and, of course, as, as parents with the capacity to do this, uh, we're helping him through that. Um, that's happening in family mm-hmm. after family and whatever you know we had planned and whatever he had planned he's had to readjust and he's an incredibly stoic young man and he, yes he has bad days but i'm i'm absolutely you know i i can't express how proud i am of his ability to uh adjust his his outlook and to continue to plan for um, operating in a different environment and adjusting how the business will operate, adjusting his marketing, all of those things, because he knows that, well, people won't have as much money to spend. There won't be as much discretionary spending. How do I plan to accommodate that reality in the future? How do I reach out to a different market group uh, that I might have been planning? Because we may not have any international tourists for some time. So, you know, th- th- this is changing our expectations. And he's an illustration of someone who's had to, at a very young age, come to grips with what he had planned for 2020 is not going to happen. And so all of us have to be agile in our thinking, in our capacity to respond to this and um, not hold on to things that we might have believed were, were you know, part of our future uh, or that we might have been able to save this much money by the end of the year. No, we have to be much more agile and adaptive to this environment. And that's the same for organisations. And what that means is that we've got to move beyond the command and control sort of structure that we might have put in place for the immediate outbreak of the pandemic to one where we distribute the leadership and we enable innovation to come from the front front, you know, front desk, front of office, the user interface, um, and, and allow that to scale up and flourish. So distributed leadership, agile leadership, lean management tools, these are going to be part of the success stories of companies that come through this with their workforces in, in good shape. And we've got to sort of adapt and apply some of that in our own homes, um, in my, my view, Maria, for families and extended families to come through this really well. Yeah, yeah. Look, and abs- I keep saying this is the time to, you know, re-engineer yeah. re- and, and reimagine. And, um, and it is, and then reinvigorate. And I think that's the part where we all have to, it, again, is that inner journey yep. in order to change what's happening um, and how we're viewing this and to have that positive outlook, to be able to flip it, to be able to say, well, what's, what's good in this? What's great in this? What can I learn that. from this? So, we can't do that. John, as always, 
uh, those personal tools that we're using for our own results, we're applying those because yeah. we, we're not then in a, in a position or a headspace mm -hmm. to actually um, do that sort of thinking and adjustment uh, in terms of expectations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it, it is, it's making it a must. So John, I really appreciate your time. I could, we could have done a two hour podcast because there's 200 other topics that we could easily drive into. I wanted to talk to you about, you know, things like homelessness, those people that are completely um, out there with, with no um, framework, with no support network. And, but it, we, we don't have time. We are going to do another podcast though, because there's so many things that you um, have incredible insight um, and understanding and knowledge to share. So I really appreciate you taking time. I know you're flat out. So um, thank you. Thanks, John. And everyone, uh, thanks for listening. And remember to always show that way for your client. Thanks for listening to today's Wayfinder podcast, helping you help others find their way.